I'll be in the second Bible reading taken from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7 to 16, which is you can find in some of Pew Bibles, page 1226. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, When he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. What does he ascended mean, except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the full fullness of Christ. When, then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful uh, scheming. Instead, Speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as part does its work. Well, good evening, friends. We are up to the last in this series on the heartbeat of our church. Last week, we looked at what was our value last week? Love-centered church. That's right. And we have an action. Remember, for each of these values, we have an action. What's the, what's the action for love-centered church? Anyone? It was meant to be that one, right? What did I do last week? I did that. That was just a test you to see if anyone picked it up. And many of you did, so good on you. And the action for today, service-centered members. What's the action for that one? You know, just arms up. You know, it's like you're volunteering, so you're volunteering to do my gardening. Thank you. So we'll see you this week. Uh, but we're going to have a look at this one, it's, and we're going to reflect on Ephesians 4. So let me encourage you, keep your Bibles open to Ephesians 4, and we will work through that passage that was just read to us. But let's uh, join our hearts and pray once more. Gracious Heavenly Father, we pray that as we reflect on our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, the one who came not to be served, but to be served and to give his life as a ransom for many, we pray that it is that service that shapes us as a church and as individuals. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, do you know what was the first sermon ever preached in the land of Australia? The first sermon at the first Christian service. Now imagine if you had that opportunity and you were the first one to preach in the land of Australia at settlement. What would you speak on? What would you say to, the, to about 1,300 convicts and civil officers and Marines? What would you say? Perhaps as you looked around Australia and you saw the landscape, how beautiful and majestic it is, you perhaps might have preached on Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God. Or perhaps as you reflect, you know, many of them were convicts and they need to make a new beginning, a new life. 
Perhaps it might be Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, we need his guidance in this new land. But do you know what was preached on the first Christian service, at the first Christian service? Well, it was a sermon preached by a man by the name of Richard Johnson. He was only 31 years of age. It was a sermon he preached that remains relevant for us today. He was the first chaplain to Australia. He was an evangelical Christian, which means he's a Bible Christian. He's a gospel Christian. He's a devout Christian. He wanted the gospel to go forth. And as he reflected on the long voyage, it was 16,000 miles all the way from England, 252 days at sea, that's over eight months. Not many people died over that journey, but 11 ships safely arrived at Botany Bay. And more than that, he reflected on what it meant to be a Christian, one who is with hope now when he was hopeless, one who had the forgiveness of sins, one who had life when there was death. And so he reflected on these things, and do you know what he preached on? He preached on Psalm 116, verse 12. What shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits toward me? What shall I render unto the Lord? That is, how do I respond to the God who has been so good and gracious and loving towards me? What do I offer to God who has everything and owns everything? What do I give to him who has blessed me so much? You see, the, the, the place where the first Christian service was held, it's in Sydney, and if you're ever in Sydney, it's not too far from Martin Place. You can go there and, and you'll see this monument. And you see inscribed on the monument, Richard Johnson, the chaplain, being the preacher, and you see that verse inscribed there. What shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits toward me? Now, why is it that that sermon preached over 230 years ago remains relevant for us today? It's still relevant. Well, it is because if we, like Richard Johnson, reflect on all that God has done for us, his grace, his love, his compassion, our life, it is from God. Our friends, they are blessings from God. The family we have, they are all from God. And of course, you add to that hope and love and peace and joy, the forgiveness of sins, the gift of eternal life, and even the adoption into the family of God that we would even dare call God Father. They are the blessings of God. They are the benefits of God towards us. And so if we see that that is true, then we must also joyfully, willingly, and freely ask ourselves, what shall I render unto the Lord? What shall I offer to God? And so what do you think it is that we should render to God? Now when we think about this, we can never think that we are rendering anything to repay God for. How can we repay God for anything? The life that we have, that's a gift from God. The salvation we have, it's a gift from God. The, the Son of God sent to be the sacrifice for us, that's God's gift to us. We can never repay that. So it's never about repayment. 
but we render our life, our love, our worship, and of course our service to God because it's the only right way to respond to the God who has been so loving and gracious towards us. And that's for all of us. Every single one of us here, young, old, whether we're new to Christianity or whether we've been a Christian for a long time, whether we think we're gifted or not, we are all to render our life and service to God. And that is why, as a church, one of our core values is that we are to be a church of service-centered members. All of us service-centered. You see, we can't be a church where we come and we cross our arms and we think, well, I'm here to be served. I'm here to be waited upon. Like boarding a cruise ship where there are butlers doing your, 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 your blessing, uh, serving you. That's not the type of church we're to be. Instead, we're to be one where we're all involved in service, where we all have a part to play. Why? Because we remember our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. The Lord of the universe. You don't get anyone more powerful, more high than Jesus. But yet he came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And that should so move our hearts that we render to God everything. Our life, our service. And so that's why service-centred members is to be the heartbeat of our church. It's to shape us every day, every week. And we all have a part to play. But now we need to ask, what does it look like? What does it look like to render to God, especially in our church? Well, what it looks like, as we saw in our first reading and second reading, is, is that the church is meant to be like an organic body, a living organism that is growing and flourishing, just like a human body. For the body to function well, every single part needs to be doing its part. It has a function and a job and a role to do. And so, just like in our first reading, you know, the brain cannot take the place of the hand, nor can the hand take the place of the kidneys, nor the kidneys can take the place of the feet. They all have their part and place and purpose. And that's how God designed his church. It's just brilliant. This is so wise. That's how God designed his church, and that's how Jesus has given different and various gifts to his church so that everyone will function together for the good of the body, each part rendering their service to God. And so that's what we see. Have a look at Ephesians 4, verse 7. Verse 7. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. As Christ apportioned it, which means in the wisdom of Christ himself, he apportions the gifts as he so chooses. And so we're all gifted in different ways. We have different gifts. Some of you are gifted musicians. Some of you are gifted singers. Some of you are astute in finance and accounts. Some of you are gifted teachers. Some gifted administrators. Some gifted even gardeners. It is as Christ has apportioned it. But do you notice here in this passage... The gifts are not like what we read in 1 Corinthians. They're not about abilities, but the gifts are the people that God has given to the church. 
See, in other places, Paul speaks about abilities, their gifts, their talents, but he, he highlights some of the gifts God has given to the church, the people God has given to the church. So look at verse 11. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. Now, what do you find interesting about that list? Do you notice anything common amongst that list, amongst those gifts? See, what's common is that they're all speaking gifts. They're all people who speak, who teach, speaking the word of God gifts. And so you've got the apostles, the prophets, they spoke the word of God. You've got the evangelists, they proclaim the gospel. You've got the pastor, they minister with the word of God. And you've got the teacher, they teach from the word of God. They're all speaking people. Now, why do you think Paul highlighted these specific gifts? Now, elsewhere, everyone has a gift, everyone has a part to play, but why did he highlight these here? Is it not to show that the church of Christ is to be shaped by and grounded in the word of God? It has to be grounded in the word of God for the body of Christ to be built up. And that's why it's one of our value, isn't it? Word-centered teaching. And so what this means then is that in the life of our church, as we relate to one another as the body of Christ, as each one of us has our different parts to play, our different purposes, what this means is that those of us who teach, those in creche in the morning, those who teach in Sunday school, in kids' church, those who teach our youth during the week, those who teach in our growth groups, they are all God's gift to us as they teach us the word of God so that we might be built up, so that the body of Christ might be built up. They are God's gift to us. Now, some of you who are those teachers, did you not know that you are God's gift to this church? That is true. And what's also true is that you might find this hard to believe. But as a minister, I am God's gift to you. Just some giggles there. It's true. You might not like this gift very much. You might want a refund for this gift. But unfortunately, you can't have one. But this gift will one day have a use-by date. But no refund. But you see, myself, along with Michelle and Ollie and our elders, we are God's gift to this church as we discharge the duties of teaching the Word of God, as we apply the Word of God to your lives, as we bring the Word of God to bear on your lives, as we render our love and service to God. But do you notice the purpose of such people, the purpose of such gifts from God? Well, pastors and teachers those who teach, whatever age group, are given to the church not for their own sake. It's not for their own good, but so that every member of the church is equipped for works of service, so that every single one of us will be involved in serving, in building, in equipping, in training, all of us serving, all of us rendering our lives to God. And we see the fruits of that, don't we? We see it all the time. As we are taught the word of God, our hearts change and we go on serving. 
We go on loving. We go on caring. We, we see this all the time. And, and don't you love it when you see it amongst especially the little ones, the little children, the youth, when they go on serving. I notice even in our band we had some teenagers serving there already. But if you were there last year at the children's Christmas service, wasn't it just so heartening to see all the little ones serve, leading the service? Little Annalise saying a prayer. The little girls introducing the songs. Little ones welcoming and collecting the offering. It was just so wonderful to see them taught so that they go on serving. And you see, as we reflect on that in our church, we should be so grateful for the different and various gifts God has granted us and given us. You see, I'm so thankful as only one part of this church for the gifts he's given you, for how you are being equipped for works of service. I'm thankful for our singers. And you should too be thankful for our singers because if it was me singing, it would be terrible. I'm thankful for the folks here who are gifted, who are diligent with finance and accounts and great managers. I'm thankful for the wonderful administrators we have amongst us and some extremely exceptional administrators. There's a few I, I always call upon for administrative help and they're always willing, joyfully, willing to help. I'm so thankful for so many of you who are so hospitable, opening up your home with warmth. I mean, we experienced this last week if you went to the Eat and Share Sunday. I'm also so thankful for those of you who always have the words of encouragement, the words to spur on, the words of love and care and concern. Those of you who say, I've been praying for you. Those who are always thoughtful of the needs of others. You see, these are just some of the ways in which the church is equipped as we sit under the word of God, equipped for service. And it's why Jesus gave the church pastors and teachers. You see, verses 12 and 13, have a look at with me. It is to prepare God's people for works of service. And so that's everyone in the church serving. No one just crossing their arms and doing nothing. And for what purpose? We read on. So that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Which means in a church like ours, in fact in every church, my work of service and your work of service, whatever that might be, will never be complete until everyone else is mature. I don't stop when I think I'm mature. That The work only stops when everyone is mature, young and old, new and old. And so I can never think that my job is over, my job of serving is over, not until everyone is mature. Which of course means our works of service will continue to happen until the day we die or the day Christ returns, as we always constantly render our lives and service to God. And again, it's why we are to be a church of service-centred members, every single one of us. And I do want you to hear that. You are here, you have a place. You have a purpose, a God-given purpose. 
and we do this as one body. You see, being a Christian means that we belong to a body. We belong to the body of Christ. We belong to the local church. And it is important to remember that we all have an important part to play. And so it can never make sense for anyone to say, I'm a Christian, but I do not want to be a part of the church. It's, you, can't, you can't have it that way. You see, being a Christian is not like playing tennis, where you can just play singles. I play for myself. If I win, good. If I lose, good. But it's just for myself. Being a Christian, you can't be a solo player. Instead, being a Christian is more like playing in team sport, in soccer, in basketball, where you need your teammates, where you, you're going for the same purpose, but you need each other. You see, without each other and without the church to look out for each other, what do you think could happen if I slowly withdraw myself from the gathering of Christians? If I slowly withdraw myself from fellowship, if I slowly stop my church attendance, what do you think could happen? Well, you've probably seen this. I certainly have. What could happen is that those who once claimed to be a Christian will grow cold in their faith until one day they just throw it away. Do you know anyone who went to Sunday school with you and youth group and called themselves a Christian at some point? but are no longer Christian. They're thrown in the faith. Know anyone like that? I know in my own youth group that I grew up in many decades ago, there were only about 10 of us. Now, about 20, 30 years later, do you know how many are still Christians? Less than 50%. Less than 50%. But if each one of us were rendering our lives to God as service-centred members... Then we see verse 14. Have a look. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. You see, without the church to support each other, without the word of God taught, we'll be deceived by the world, we'll be won over by the world. And that's why we need to see the church as so important. The body we belong to is like a family. And you may have noticed this as you've been coming. If you're new here, you'll notice it in time. But if you've been here for quite a while, I always like to describe our church as a church family. Not an institution, a church family, because that is what we are. And a family works well when we all see that we belong to a family we bear the responsibilities of the family and we have a purpose for the good of the family. That's how family life works well. I mean, even in my own family, we all have different responsibilities in the household. It's my daughter's responsibility, Esther, to cook the rice. That's her job. She does a pretty good job. Not too hard like rocks, not too soft like porridge, just, just right. She does a pretty good job. My boys, they have the job of weeding. Yesterday they did a bit of that and that wasn't too bad. I have the job as the man of the house to poison the weeds, that's what I did yesterday, to kill the spiders and to bury our goldfish earlier this year. That was my job as the man of the house. But as a church family, we all have a part to play. 
as we seek the good of each other, as we serve the needs of each other, as we render, like in that first sermon, render our service to God, we're growing as the body of Christ. And so we see this in our final verses, 15 and 16. Instead, speaking the truth in love. Now, who can speak? All of you can speak, which means at least that is part of our service. Speaking the truth in love. Not truth without love, which is cold and heartless. Or love without truth, which is shallow and empty, but truth in love. And then we read on. We will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Now, do you notice that there? Which part does its work? It is each part, every part, you included. And so no one should ever think, I have no part to play, or I don't belong, or I've got nothing to give and nothing to offer. Not true. Every part doing its work. And I couldn't help noticing in that last verse, you notice that word together. Such an important word, isn't it? It's why even in our mission statement, as we were fleshing that out last year, we wanted that word together, making and maturing disciples of Jesus together. We need each other in this mission. Now, several months ago, I, I learned of a, a story of the giant sequoias, the redwoods. Do you know those huge Californian trees that, that grow very high up into in, in, the sky? The tallest trees in the world. Here's a picture. They can grow over 100 metres tall. It's huge. The, 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 they live over 2,000 years, and, and the one surviving today is over 2,000 years old. That, that's the time of Jesus. Heavier than 100 elephants. Do you know why they're able to grow so tall and stand the test of time, 2,000 years, and have the strength and stability to withstand the forces of nature? It is because their roots, they don't go very deep, but they go out far so that they intertwine with the roots of the neighbouring trees. They need each other to stand firm and strong. When I heard that um, illustration and I was told, you yeah, they don't survive alone, they need to grow in community, I thought, that is a wonderful illustration. I wonder when I can use that. Well, here you go. I'm using it now. It's a good one, isn't it? But, but it's a picture of the church, you know, where we intertwine. We need each other to stand firm, to withstand the forces of the evil one, the forces of the world. And so that's what our church is to be like. We need each other to grow. And so that's why we are to be a church of service-centred members. Whether you're new here, you need to own that too. Whether you've been here for a long time, you need to own that as well. We are to render our lives in service to God. But ultimately, for what purpose? Why serve? Well, ultimately, is it not for the glory of God, our Father in heaven, 
that we would even dare to call him Father? Is it not for his glory that we render our lives in service to him? And so let me ask you, what shall you render unto the Lord? How will your life change, be shaped by even that verse? The first sermon preached in Australia. You can see it's still so relevant today for us. For Christ, the King of the universe, came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. How can that not shape how we live as well? And so for some of us, I suspect hearing this passage, it's both a challenge and an encouragement. For some of us here, it's a challenge to us and also an encouragement. And, and I've got two questions I want you all to be reflecting on in your heart of hearts between you and God. And the two questions, the first one's this. Firstly, I want you to ask yourself, do I feel like I'm a service-centered member? For some of you who are new to our church, we want to say, take your time. Be loved by us, be supported by us, be, be cared for by us. But eventually, as you become a part of our church family, you too, you have to ask yourself that question. Because to be a part of this church family means you bear the burden, the responsibilities and the joy of this church family. And you are also valuable. You have an important part to play in maturing the saints, in speaking the truth in love, in building up the body of Christ. And of course, by that I mean not just joining a ministry team, not just the official stuff, but the organic life where we love, where we care, where we open up our homes, where we love and serve. And so the first question I want you all to ask yourself, am I a service-centered member? And the second question is this. I think this is far more challenging, but it is worth asking. And so I want you to ask yourself, am I receiving more than I am giving? Am I receiving more than I am giving? I mean, that's in your heart between you and God. And I don't mean here those of you who are in a very difficult, dark season of life. And it might be a long season of life where you need the care and the love and support. We, in fact, all do. But you feel like you do need to lean on us. If that is you, I want you to hear this. You are not a burden. You are a joy for the church to love you and to serve you. If this is that season of life for you, lean on the church. Lean on us. In fact, recently I had to say to one within our church family, and I said, I know it's a, a, a difficult time for you, and it is a difficult time, and I was grieved to hear what was going in this person's life. But you have to not do life on your own. You, you don't have to get through this on your own. Lean on your church. Let us serve you. Let us love you. And you do us a favor by letting us serve you. I still remember at my previous church up in Sydney, one of the elders, 
He's an elder of a church, which means that he, he bears significant responsibilities in the church. He felt like he wasn't carrying his weight as an elder. But you see, for this man, for this elder, in raising, looking after his family, he's got two autistic boys out of four kids. It was just a lot of work for him and his wife to raise this family, this young family. But you see, for that man, for him, to live a faithful, joyful, godly life without bitterness, without whinging and complaining, he was in fact serving the church that way by showing us what godliness looks like in suffering, in difficulties, by showing us what it means to live by faith day by day, by modelling what Christian living should look like. And so his weight of feeling like he's not carrying his weight was completely unfounded. He served us by modelling Christian living. And so for some of you who might be in this season of life, and it could be a difficult season that might be long, like a thorn in the flesh. You serve us not by doing things, not by joining ministry teams and getting busy. No, you don't serve us that way. You serve us by living your life in godliness, in faith, in love, and you show us how to do it. But then for the rest of us, if we're not in that season of life, then we need to ask that question. Am I receiving more than I am giving. You see, if that is you, then it is worth you reflecting on. If you give your wholehearted attention to your career, to your adventures in life, to your leisure and pleasure, wholehearted attention to all of those things in life, but to the things of God, to the things that serve this church, it is lacking. What do you think that says? How should you respond to the God who loves you so? Once in a while, we'll see requests from up front, uh, opportunities to serve. And even this year, there were a few already. Opportunities to serve in Christ. We're short of Christ teachers. Opportunity to serve in one of the growth groups where the parents could meet so that the kids could be taken care of. You would expect, expect in a service-centered church, as soon as that announcement is made, it is filled immediately. You would expect that, wouldn't you? But it's not. Why? Is it because some of us are just thinking, well, someone else will do it? Well, that's just not for me. What happens is that we're left with the same people doing the same thing and serving in the same way. And so perhaps this year, consider what am I committed to as I render my life and service to God? And if God in his kindness moves your heart, convicts your, your heart in some way, do speak to an elder. There are opportunities for you to see your part, your place in the church. Speak to the ministry staff, to Ollie, Michelle or myself. Get involved. And so for some of us, this passage is a challenge and is an encouragement. But for some of us who are involved, who are busy, we need to remember that it is a 
privilege and an honor to serve. Those of us who are doing much, and that's many of you, those of us who are doing much, we need to remember that it is a privilege to serve, to be entrusted by God and his church with responsibilities to grow his church. And again, I don't mean just officially in some ministry team, but organically as a family. And if we've been entrusted with many opportunities and responsibilities, we can never look down upon anyone else. That is wrong. For we are all different and serve in different ways and have different parts to play. And so we need to remember, for those who are of us who serve much, it is a privilege and an honour. In the very first staff meeting this year with uh, Michelle, Ollie and myself, we, we did a staff induction, and that is to reflect on the principles that will guide us, how we are to relate to one another, how we are to serve. And one of the things we spent time reflecting on and being reminded of is that we are able to serve in the positions and the roles God has given us as a privilege and an honour, not a right. It's a privilege, not a right. And that's what we all need to remember. If we are serving, it's an honour because God doesn't need us. He can run his church, he's head of the church, but that God would use us, but that God would use you in all your frailties, that God would use me in all my inadequacies to build his church. That is an honour. It's, in fact, how I feel all the time. I mean, who am I to serve in this capacity? And I'm sure many of you feel that way as well. And so Richard Johnson, in his first sermon in Australia, we needed to ask, what shall we render unto the Lord for all his benefits toward us? And the only answer, it is everything. Amen. Let's pray.